Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the June 12, 2022 session, focusing on Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 and 22 through 31. Woman Wisdom. I'm David Cassidy. I'm David Adams. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Bert Montgomery. Well, we have a passage today about wisdom, and unfortunately, we have four, four guys here to talk about it. So we could be in trouble. <laughs> Especially who, doesn't, us, who doesn't want to listen to a podcast of four men talking about women? Especially, yeah, woman wisdom, and we've got four guys. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, neither Nikki nor Crystal were able to be with us today, so you've got the four guys. <laughs> we'll try to do well. So this passage today, uh, it deals with wisdom, obviously. It's out of Proverbs. So I'm curious, you know, a lot of times TV shows, movies will cast different characters as wise. So I'm curious if you could name a character in TV or film that is cast as wise and let me know if you think they really are. Not the actor, the, the character. Well, gosh, I <laughs> I don't have a great answer to this. And, and I, I might, sorry about this, David, but I might be twisting your question because there's someone <laughs> that I think at first glance doesn't seem wise, but I think he is. And that was Norm Peterson from Cheers. <laughs> uh, you know, with his quips and one-liners, he, he, you know, he sort of comes off a little bit as an Eeyore, but, but he's a realist. I think the, the, the wit, uh, whenever he sat down at the bar, was just, I think, had to come from a place of wisdom. My favorites, can I draw you a beer, Norm? No, I know what they look like. Just pour me one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some great, great wisdom from Norm Peterson, but that's about as unorthodox as you could get, I suppose. But. Norm! <laughs> you know, I, I, I struggle with this, and, and my immediate thought is I'm, I'm going to Lord of the Rings, I'm going to Harry Potter books, Dumbledore, you know. Gandalf, whatever. Um, but the more I thought about it, for me, one of the wisest characters on TV, although I, I'm, I'm tempted to go with Norm Peterson because I love Cheers, but one of the people that have influenced me, the characters have influenced me the most for their wisdom and their humility, which I think go hand in hand, is uh, Father Mulcahy from MASH. And yes, he was very wise. Hmm. But, you know, he's not the first person a lot of people look to because he wasn't an authority. He wasn't the, a general. He was, you know. But, wow. Mm. Father McKay, he and MASH. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's interesting because I hear this question and I go with the actors and the roles they play. The easiest one to think of off the top of my head would basically be a Morgan Freeman because they always have him playing God or somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. He has that voice. He yeah. has that voice. He does those kind of things. And, and you want to go there, but then you realize that he also falls in this trap that we've seen in a lot of film where they refer to someone as being what they call a magical Negro. who's always there to solve your problems. There's always an elderly black person who usually male who will come along and speak wisdom to you. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key does a very good job of that, by the way, if you ever want to see him play a fun role on the internet. So I would instead go with the different people that that are played by Samuel L. Jackson, 
because they're often wise, but in a very unconventional way. <laughs> I, I'd give you some words of wisdom, but of course, we can't do that on this podcast. That's right. <laughs> but if you watch closely in some of the things he says and how they're, how they're taken and where they go, he actually is one of the wiser people and plays some of the wiser characters in those things he plays in. And there, there are some movies that he's in where actually that is his role to be a wise person. Unusual, but he does that. What about you, David? Well, okay, so if we asked Regina this, she would probably say Mary Poppins. Yes. Okay, we just came back from Disney World, so I'm only thinking of Disney references right now. <laughs> but for me, it would be Rafiki from The Lion King. Ooh. Yes. That's good. And I like how he not only expresses his wisdom and he, how he asks questions, which is usually what he does. He doesn't say things as much as he asks questions, but also just by actions. Um, you know, look here, or he runs away and, and makes Simba chase him. And, you know, it's, anyway, I think he's a pretty wise character. And and did you notice that until you mentioned Regina, all of us went for guys? Yeah. I, <laughs> and I think probably, I don't know. I mean, do you think more characters are cast wise as males than as females? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen Wanda Sykes play a really good, wise person. Mm. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Typically, I think they do yeah. try to cast yeah. males more in that role. Yeah. And if, if it's of any consequence, my second choice would have been Julia Sugarbaker. So there you go. Oh, excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, um, interesting, interesting things to think about. Um, wisdom itself is an interesting topic. So with that in mind, Bert, would you help us get started? Yes. You know, my... Um, Speaking of men, my father, <laughs> my father was, was born and grew up deep in the southwest Mississippi woods during the Great Depression and through the Second World War. And by the time he graduated high school, he had never traveled more than 60 miles, six zero, more than 60 miles from the small Mississippi town of Brookhaven. Now, dad was promoted ahead two years, so he graduated high school at age 16. It was then that my father ventured beyond 60 miles away. My dad, at age 16, mind you, boarded a Greyhound bus in Brookhaven and traveled 130 miles down to New Orleans. Dad was offered a full academic scholarship to Tulane University, and he and a classmate went to visit the campus. And when my dad and his friend stepped out of the Greyhound bus station on Canal Street, a cab driver pulled right up to them, threw the door open, and asked, You boys looking for a woman? Now, mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say that Dad remained in New Orleans for the next 30 years, but you'd probably take the wrong impression of that. But um, Dad stayed in New Orleans for the next 30 years. Now, for the record, <laughs> Dad, <laughs> Dad did find him a woman there, but not in the French Quarter on Bourbon Street or Toulouse Street, but at the historic St. Charles Avenue Baptist Church. And they got married, and my sister and I were born and raised in New Orleans. And it is New Orleans, with its rich and highly celebrated history of debauchery, that is always on, in my frame of reference whenever I read today's text from the book of Proverbs. Because Proverbs was written uh, in ancient Israel as a guide for young men, to teach young men virtues, to help them make right decisions, to lead them to live the good life. Now, in chapter 7, 
right before we pick up in today's text, we are introduced to a woman that some would describe as immoral and loose. (laughs) She's a woman who is out to seduce young, naive men. She's brash. She's rebellious. She wears very revealing clothes, and she is found out in the streets and the markets soliciting at every corner. She's the kind of woman who probably made some cash deals with cab drivers who would bring wide-eyed and slightly frightened teenage boys just stepping off the bus in the big city to her for the first time. Now, then, then we move into chapter 8, and we pick up with today's text, and we meet another woman. Another woman who is also found in the city, also found in the streets and markets, calling out on the street corners, a woman named Wisdom. And Wisdom speaks. She tells us of her divine qualities, that she is an expression of the creator of the whole universe, that she was right there with God in the beginning through all time. And here she is, Woman Wisdom right there in the same place that we find the seductress that we just met in chapter 7. We've all felt this tension of trying to understand what it means to be in the world but not of the world. And some of us have made the mistake of trying to protect ourselves by avoiding the world at all costs, by, by blocking out the world with our protective walls so that we don't see, that we don't hear, so that we're not tempted by the dangers and traps and the sinful ways out there. That's understandable. Certainly the world can appear to be and is a very seductive and dangerous place. We are tempted to believe that there's nothing we could do about the world, so we just pray for Jesus to come and take us away from it all. But the witness of our Holy Scriptures, however, whether it's here in the book of Proverbs or elsewhere in the Hebrew Scriptures, or Paul in in our newer Testament actively engaging with Greek culture, or especially in our Gospels through Jesus Christ our Lord, God incarnate, flesh and blood, The witness of our Holy Scriptures is that God is not separate from everything in the world, nor is God waiting for us to pray hard enough and use the right words and show enough faith to come and take us away from it all. But God is right smack dab in the middle of it all. The witness of Holy Scripture is not denial, it's not avoidance, but it's acknowledgement and it's engagement. And it's being active and living rightly in the midst of it all. God, in the form of wisdom herself, is standing on the same corners with the sex workers. Now, take a deep breath. We are recording this episode less than two weeks, less than two weeks from the horrific, hate-filled mass shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. And we are recording this episode less than three days since the nightmarish massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. I almost said unimaginable, unimaginable to describe both incidents. But the fact is we can imagine them. We can imagine them because we've seen them time and time again. And then time and time yet again, we offer our children 
our neighbors, even ourselves, as sacrifices to the gods of greed, guns, and power. They, they are the seductress we meet in Proverbs 7. Friends, we cannot understand the woman we meet in chapter 8 without first having met the woman of chapter 7. So please go back and read both chapters as you prepare to talk about woman wisdom. Like the young man talked about in chapter 7, we have been seduced by smooth talk, promises of pleasure and protection. That woman has appealed to our desires and our immediate senses. Her voice and her presence compels us. And like that young man, right away we follow her like an ox to the slaughter, like a bird rushing into a snare. But her house is the way to Sheol, leading us down to the chambers of death. But then when we move to Proverbs 8, we see God's wisdom. We see God's wisdom not coming down like God in a box, like Deus Ex Machina, out of the sky to miraculously miraculously fix our problems or take us away, but God's wisdom walking right in front of us every day, inviting us to choose differently, to make a different choice, to make a life-affirming choice, to choose a different way of living. For God's wisdom hates the pride and arrogance and the perverted speech and the way of evil that is being espoused right next to her. God's wisdom calls us instead to listen to her and to find life in her. According to Proverbs, it seems to me that that wisdom is already here. We just keep ignoring it and choosing death. One of my favorite hymns is God of Grace, God of Glory, and each of the verses end with that line, with a prayer, grant us wisdom, grant us courage. It is the prayer for God to grant us wisdom, grant us courage in the facing of this hour, for the living of these days, lest we miss thy kingdom's goal. I've been relying on that hymn quite a bit for the past few years and have incorporated that prayer for wisdom and courage repeatedly in sermons and prayers and benedictions for the living of these days. But maybe instead of praying for God to do something, Proverbs is reminding us that it's up to us to do something. We make the choice to follow foolishly to our death or to follow wisdom to life. We know what to do. Every other prosperous, healthy, democratic, and free country in the world knows what to do. And none of them, even though they have a lot of the same problems with poverty and mental health and all kinds of things that we do, none of them, none, have mass shootings as considered a normal part of life. Yet we are the ones who offer thoughts and prayers with no action. Proverbs invites us to act, to choose wisdom's way, the way of life for the living of these days. David, I don't know if you just want to pronounce the benediction and send us all home, but wow, Bert, I was was incredibly moved by that sermon, not Bible background sermon you just preached. 
Um, and not that I have anything else to offer, but I, it, it strikes me that, you know, so often we talk about wisdom being what's between our ears, our intellect. And, and when, David, when you asked our introductory question, that's where my mind went. Who's, you know, like the, like the wise owl or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Bert, you reminded us wisdom over and over again. Wisdom is found in the choices that we make. And then that, through that lens, we, we can grow in our wisdom. We can, we can achieve more wisdom by making those choices that, that God calls us to make. And it, it echoes one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of James, who says, I think it's chapter three, who among you is wise, show by your good life. It's how we live. It's how we treat one another. It's the choices we make. And right now, I think it's the choices that we make the choices that we make to try to put us a little closer to the road of peace that wisdom is calling us to now. Thank you for that, Bert. I think it's also telling that you don't make bones about this, but the wise option when you have a choice to make is not always the attractive option. In fact, usually it's the opposite. Hmm. That other lady by the street, well, she's really attractive. She's really tempting. You really want to go with her. Uh, the wise option, not so much. She just talks about her past and how she's the right thing to do. But so much of the things that we're talking about right now and the pain we're feeling are places where someone chose a good-looking option at the time. It, this might get me votes. This might get me money. This might give me power. Well, I like those things, so I'm going to make that choice instead. You know, Because I make the, the wise choice, I might be in trouble. I, I might lose my office. Three or four fewer people will vote for me. You know, I won't get those donations. I, I won't be able to be on TV and be as popular and have all these great things that this other woman's offering me. Mm, my church might shrink. My church mm. might shrink. Yeah. So let's let's not make those wise decisions because that's just not a very attractive woman to be walking off with. Mm, you're, you're right. You're right. The the right and wise thing is so often obscured by the popular thing. The the fun thing, the more attractive thing. Since Nikki and Crystal are not here, I'm going to channel. I'm going to channel one of them. <laughs> um, it, it, why is it that that it's always women? It's always a woman who's the temptress, right? I mean, I always go back to Eve. We're just playing in that same, and the Bible's done that. I'll just plays in the same thing. But I, I will add that we need to remember that it's also a woman that has chosen to be wisdom, God's expression of wisdom. And um, we do need to be careful how we talk about this so that we don't bring in the stereotypes that we've all grown up with of, of women doing nothing but luring us to evil. Because I think it can be, if especially if you go back to chapter seven, that can be easily done. Hmm. So I just want to warn against that, but also point out that it's a woman that's given us life, <laughs> not just leading us to our death. Mm -hmm. well, Eve was framed. But beside that, I think part of this may be that women are portrayed, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think they're often portrayed as objects of desire. Now, in very bad ways, they can be viewed as possessions by some of the biblical narrative. But quite often, they're used to express an object of desire, whatever that might be. And so in this scriptural narrative we're talking about today, we have the desire of things that are just manifestly bad for everyone, or the desire to delight in humanity and, and be partners with God and really 
be there and be the good choice, the thing we should be desiring. And wow, when you look at us in real life, I mean, some of us have been teenagers before, or, or know some. You know, when we're attracted to somebody else, we don't often get attracted to them because, oh, that person makes really good choices. I hope I can get a date with them. You know, the first thing we look at is not the inner self or how constructive they are or what they contribute to society. We have very superficial ideas of what's attractive. And it's easy to throw all in on those things and make some terrible mistakes. And people have done that, you know, and continue to do that. I wonder how the contemplative practices of our faith might be helpful in our own search for wisdom, because it seems to me that that particular part of the Christian experience of prayer and solitude and contemplation often is the wellspring out of which wisdom seems to come. And I know for me, not being a very contemplative sort. <laughs> I have to work at that sort of thing. But but it, it does matter. And it the noise of this world, the noise of the noise and the busyness of life can obscure that small, quiet voice that often is the wise voice. How does that work for you? Do do you do you find the contemplative practices helpful? Well, I, I'll, I'll admit to you that I'm, and, and to all our listeners, of course, <laughs> that that I, I'm not the most contemplative sort either. But, but I think I mean part of the spiritual practices and practices of contemplation remind us of of our source, what is foundational to us, what is most important. Yeah, and and it's too easy to see wisdom as sort of a you know a nice little byproduct of making good choices and living life rather than foundational to who we are, foundational to our world. Yeah. And in fact, right at, at toward the uh, beginning of this, this next, the second section here, we find out that wisdom was the first thing created by God. Mm. Woman wisdom. She, she was before the beginning of the earth at the first the Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts long ago. Before the water, before the mountains, before everything else, I was there. And if that doesn't speak to the foundation of the wisdom in our world, well, I don't know what does. And anyway, I don't know what I'm saying other than I think, I think those contemplative practices can remind us that wisdom— ought not just be something we, we strive for and attain for, but it's who we are. Yeah, I think and who when, this world is supposed to be. Excuse me, David. That's okay. I think I think when you're talking about the contemplative practices in general, I mean this passage and chapter seven would tend to indicate that wisdom is something that underlies everything in creation, but to some degree, even though it calls out, needs to be sought. Whereas that other woman comes right up to somebody and grabs them and leads them astray. I mean, it's right in your face, seeking you, you know, seeking to devour you. Wisdom doesn't seek to do that. And so contemplation is often necessary to do the kind of seeking it takes to find wisdom or to hear the call, kind of filter out the noise. So what's the opposite of wisdom? Hmm. You know, the, the immediate word that comes to mind is foolishness, but I think that's too easy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I was going to say folly, but that doesn't quite catch it, does it? I think death. Hmm. Mm. Here's that wisdom, at least as this passage paints wisdom, wisdom is very connected. Wisdom is always with God. You, know, you go down this whole bit, the last part of the passage, and it's always, I was there. When this happened, I was there. When this happened, I was there. When this happened, I was there. Wisdom is always accompanying God and being with God. And the opposite of that would be to be without God, be away from God, be separate from God. And, and you know, death's probably the best way to describe that, really. Yeah, I, I and I don't mean to be flippant about it, but I, I almost think the opposite of wisdom is like thoughtlessness. That is just uh, absolutely uncaring of others and unaware of of our ability to create peace and work in this world. Just to be to be thoughtless about how much we as people matter and our ability to work for peace and justice and love. To be unaware or to be thoughtless about that seems to be very unwise, but that's a good question. I'm struggling with it. Well, and I ask it only because sometimes with difficult concepts, thinking about the opposite helps us actually do a better job of defining what the thing is. Hmm. Yeah, I think another way I'd phrase this, but I think of it in terms of reaction versus intentionality. Hmm. You know, not being wise, you react. You just do things off the top of your head. You're afraid for something, so you react. But if you're wise, you do what you mean to do. You know, all these thoughts and prayers don't mean a thing if you don't do something. You don't make a plan. If you're not actively trying to solve a problem, it's just thoughts and prayers. And it's not very wise because hmm. it's not going to help solve any of the problems. Well, I often turn to Frederick Beekner for wisdom. And in one of his uh, books called Beyond Words, he actually writes about this very passage out of Proverbs. And as part of that, he, he says this, he says, wisdom is a matter not only of the mind, but of the heart, like a woman's wisdom. It, it is born out of suffering as a woman bears a child. It shows a way through the darkness, the way a woman stands at the window holding a lamp. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, says Solomon, then adding, just in case there should be any lingering question as to her gender, quote, and all her paths are peace. May we all seek wisdom in the days ahead. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.